the NFL stands for not for long. Except Sharga and Armstead. Roll out. Walker still running out. Looks to the left. Wide open. Thompson touchdown. Colin Thompson with the touchdown. There was nobody within 20 yards. What of a catch off the bobble. Colin Thompson scoops it up. Lofting corner of the end zone. It is caught for the touchdown. The first NFL touch for Colin Thompson is a score. What is going on, everybody? And welcome back to another episode of the Colin Thompson Show. I appreciate everybody tuning in, and I appreciate everyone's uh, support following. If this is your first time listening to the show, you can find us at notforlongmedia.com. We have six, seven, eight shows, a little bit for everybody. So check us out, notforlongmedia.com. Check us out all across all social media platforms. All of our shows are available on all audio platforms and visually on YouTube. So I appreciate everybody's support. Really excited for the show today. I think you guys are going to like Leon Johnson. He's one of a kind. He's one of the most unique teammates and great people I've ever played with uh, in my you know career of from youth football through college, high school, college, and then professionally. Leon is an unbelievable person, a testament of hard work and dedication and commitment to himself as a human and then also his teammates and then as a player, someone who's played pro football in – uh, the USFL, like he is currently, someone who's played in the CFL, the AAF, and the NFL. So a great, great, great interview ahead for you guys, and I think you're really going to enjoy it. So before we get into it, I want to talk about our friends over at the Original Fudge Kitchen, shipping fudge and sweet treats across the country. Check them out, guys. For those heading down the shore this summer, pop in, tell them we send them, and uh, Get some fudge for you, your family, some friends. They have great saltwater taffies, which are nothing better than down the shore chewing on a saltwater taffy. And if you can't make the shore, just pop over, pop online, fudgekitchens.com. They ship it right out the back of the Cape May location, 50 years in that location. It goes right out the back door, right in USPS. USPS comes in and gets it. That's how many shipping orders they get. They don't have to take it to the post office. USPS comes and gets it from them. Boom. Ship right through to you. Two, three days, it's at your door. So it is super fresh. I think it lasts two weeks since after they make it. That's how it keeps its freshness. The best in the business. Check them out. Yeah, so uh, an awesome weekend. In, um, and we're going to have a show later this week, like we have been, where it's just a bunch of people on, just chopping it up, having a good time. But just in my personal life stuff, an awesome weekend at the Dream Big Rally in Doylestown, Pennsylvania. First class event put on the Mike Petton Foundation by Mike Carey, two Central Bucks West football and Pennsylvania State football. The country, for that matter, high school football coaching legends, mentors, and people. And Mike put this amazing event on, Mike Carey, with unbelievable speakers. Uh, over 200 people made it. And I think if you're an athlete or you're someone who wants to have success or is in a bad time or whatever it may be in the Bucks County area, Pennsylvania area, if you're hours away, you should drive to this event next year. I think Mike's going to have it at the same time, the same place. Fantastic. Ray Didinger, Howie Roseman. You have Marines. You have police officers. You have you know, women's college basketball players. You have something for everybody um, in business, in sports, in law enforcement. So big thanks to the Dream Big Rally. Check them out on all social media platforms. Stay tuned for next year. But if you're in the Bucks County area and you're not at this, you're wrong if you're a student and you're wrong if you're a parent. It is fantastic. It was fantastic. So thank you to Mike. Thank you to the Mike Petten Foundation. Uh, shout out to the New Britain Inn. Had an awesome time thereafter eating, having a couple pops. It was really a cool time uh, to get around everyone from my hometown and uh, get back there and and sharing some memories and 
share and just trying to help and give back because it's uh it's a wonderful place that did a lot for me and there's a lot of us that love to get back to it because it's a special place in Doylestown, pennsylvania so thank you to dream big rally guys you're going to a game this year punching the promo code colin thompson at seat geek check them out 20 bucks your order off your order 50 dollars or more seat geek promo code colin thompson get some sleep promo code colin best sleep product on the market and then shout out to our friends actions over words Love what they have going, a philanthropic website, actionsoverwordsapparel.com. Check them out. Okay, so without further ado, the great, legendary, temple tough, unique, fun, exciting, a little bit for everybody on here, Leon Johnson. All right, Leon Johnson's in the building. Leon, how you doing, buddy? I'm well, man. You know, I can't get playing. How are you? This is great having you on. It's been uh, It's been too long. It's been a while. The last time we saw each other was probably 2016 or 17. That bowl game, I think. That's crazy. And everybody says in the locker room, every coach says it, every player says, last time we see each other, bro, no, I'll see you next. I'll see you in the, I'll see you in the spring. I'll see it. But you know what? Life grabs a hold of you. You rip and tear. You, You kind of mold your own way for you and I bouncing around all these different leagues, trying to make it. Um, what's the journey been like, man? I know it's been a grind. It's been long. It's been fun, though. Uh, from Denver in 2018 to Salt Lake City with the AAF in 2019, uh, then up to the CFL with Calgary from 2019 through 2021, mm-hmm. uh, and now here with the Philadelphia Stars of the USFL. So it's been a long road, man, but you know how it goes. The grind never really ends anyway, so. No, I it never really it. ends. You, you know, the whole adage, like, uh, how do you say, you know, how do you prepare you, you you never stop preparing and it's really tough i think too i think a lot of people don't understand you know for the bottom of the nfl or the top of these other leagues or whatever it may be you always have to be ready for a workout you always have to be ready for something that's what i found the hardest for me training was okay when is like my down week here because i'm training hard as i possibly can because i could be called next week and then i rolled to chicago for a workout and I, you know, I had a weekend of whatever, whatever I was doing. Mm-hmm. I was traveling, calling games at Temple. Like it wasn't ideal for a workout. You have to kind of like live your life. What's yeah. been the biggest struggle for you throughout this whole grind, this whole process? Well, you know, one of the things in college where we had to embrace was the sacrifice, right? We miss Thanksgiving. We may miss Christmas. Uh, it's kind of been that same thing, just sacrificing. You know, when you're in the CFL here, you, you, you got the dreams of the NFL. You're in the USFL. You're in the AAF, like. All these leagues run at different times, so you really never get an off season. So you're always in I gotta stay prepared mode. So I mean, you know, it's something that's just become routine now, right? I mean, look, <clears throat> whether we do football or we do corporate, we do construction, we do whatever it is, there's an aspect of that always being ready, always being prepared. That that's essential anyway. So yeah, I get it I th- this way. I'm I'm sorry. I, I think it's unique too. And I talk about it with the coach Jeremy Scott, as I know you know well, and he was with us in Carolina. There's a lot of us there in Carolina. And I'm not there right now, but there's something about Temple for those four years. I transferred in. I was there three from 14 to 16. There's guys are still playing. I mean, yeah. And high level too. high level. Like, so obviously you have the NFL guys that, mm-hmm. you know, people listening to the show may, may or may not know about, but guys getting second contracts, Medikevich, big money, Hassan Reddick. There's all levels of it of mm-hmm. NFL. And then there's all levels of minor league football, like the real grind. I've been a part of it. I played in two different leagues. You know, I may go back to it, but 
it's just amazing to me. And I want to hear your thoughts of why. Why do you think? Because there's like guys like Avery Ellis, who's older than us, right? Who's still playing in the CFL. I mean, like there's passion for football. There's pa- there's commitment, like you said, and sacrifice out of that group that gallivanted a lot of people. Anthony Russo's playing in arena. Like yep. guys tuck their egos away and just go to work, put their head down, and figure out where they're going to play in their career after. I mean, what do you think it is in the water there, 10 to 9? <laughs> That's it, though, right? Right. Rule taught us how to prepare. So, you know, whether it be arena, whether it be semi-pro, whether it be minor league, pro, I mean, we know how to prepare. We know how to be professionals. And you got guys who aren't in football who are doing big things outside of football, too. It's just yeah, he set up that – that he helped us to understand how to set up a routine and how to, how to be men, man. That's really what it comes down to. Did you have any rub? And I know the answer to this. I know you had some rub with people at Temple because there was days I'm like, oh, Leon's ready to go today. Like, Oh, of course. Yeah. I mean, look, I was I was very young and immature, right? Um, thought I knew more than I did. But I wanted to be a part of it all. I wanted to do it the right way. You know, I, you know, a little stubborn, as as they may say. <laughs> no, you're but, a great player there. But no, I, man, I, I don't have any negative relationships with anyone. I mean, like Weez, I gave Weez hell, right? But ooh. I mean, that guy changed my life, you know, so. How, is, just, how just, good is Weez as a coach? Because he's now the O-line coach at Temple. He went to Georgia Tech for a little bit with Coach Collins, the guy's yeah. coaching the NFL. A, a lot of guys, Dion, yourself, Boozer, Hennessy, Bacozzi, mm-hmm. a lot of NFL talent, professional football league talent, whatever league that may be, and they all love Weez. I do yeah. too. Yeah. I mean, Weez, Weez was a Hall of Fame wide receiver at Wabash, right? He 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 coached us O line. We he what was that 2014 or 2015? I think we had the least sacks in Temple football history. Really? And then he turns around. He coaches the running backs, and Raquel and ja- and Jihad had both had a thousand yards, and both had over ten touchdowns. So, you know, he he's he knows the game in and out. He knows every position. He can coach any position on the field. I think. I think he's a head coach, honestly. Yeah, Weez is great. He, I remember being a tight end individual with Foley. And the ADD and me in 2016 would look over and see the running back drills. Yeah. I'd be like, these running backs have their helmets off doing pass protection. Mm-hmm. And it made sense to me. I'm like, I know exactly what he's doing. He's trying to get keep your head out of it. Get your head out of it. And yeah. and you were like, oh. I mean, he's just constantly throwing medicine balls, doing different things, like creating ways. He's a grinder. And you're right. I think he is a head coach. And he's brilliant, yeah. Yeah, he'll be he'll well. Yeah, he'll definitely be a head coach in college football, and I know he loves Philly, and he's jacked to be back there. So, where are you at now? Right now, we're in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Our uh, so the the USFL has our league split into four hubs. There are eight teams, four north teams, four south teams. So we got Canton, Ohio, and Detroit, Michigan is the two north hubs. Memphis, Tennessee, and Birmingham, Alabama are the two south hubs. So that's what we're doing. Yeah, how do you like it? Because I thought, I guess I'll, I'll ask you this: What are the, what's the difference between the leagues? For me, I thought the AAF we made more money, but the backbone of the league was not as great. The coaches were solid. The oh, let me say this: the AAF we made money, made good money. Yeah, we made practice squad NFL money. Yeah, you were and you were there, um, which was great. I mean, that was great money for what we did in the in the time. And then I thought the coaches were good. I thought the facilities were bad. I thought like the infrastructure was bad, like living and eating wasn't great. And then the XFL, were you in the XFL, Lee? I don't think you were. I, I had a brief cup of coffee in the XFL, yeah, with Houston. Okay. So XFL, I thought 
the facilities were better, the food was better, the coaches yeah. were better, but the money was less. Right. Yeah, we were on all the leagues. I was in okay, so I would say here, um pretty similar to everywhere else. Uh with the difference being our facility isn't a football facility. It's like one of these, you know, industrial facilities that we're renting out, but we use it for meetings, um, physical therapy and things of that nature. Mm. Um, food and everything, you know, it's hotel food and camp, uh, hotels and camp. Um, after camp, you know, you get your own living. Um, I'd say the AAF from a money perspective hit it spot on, right? I think if we're going to be playing football, that's, that's the money you should be earning. Um, but the facilities were like trailers that they made in like 30 days. So no, I think, I think the league is doing what it's supposed to. I think it's, it's doing, I mean, look, it's growing, right? It's the second year. Um, it's, it's a region from back in the eighties. So they're doing what they're, what they're doing. I think they're doing a good job. They're, they're keeping us fed. They're keeping us paid and they're allowing us the opportunity to play the game. So can't really complain much, right? No, you can't. And I thought the guys that were super mature in the XFL made it mm-hmm. and got the most out of it because you would train harder. You would. What are you complaining about? Like two meals a day, you get paid. I think we made like 50 grand total and maybe somewhere in that range, which is great yeah. money for five months of work. I mean, yeah. that's 100 grand a year pace, right? So we made around 50 grand a year. We had a weight room, strength coaches, coaches, film. Yeah. Play on national TV, travel around the country. I mean, listen, I'll. I'll be honest. I would do it. I'm older now, 29. But if you if you're if you're not if you, listen, I'm not gonna make it to the NFL. I know I'm not, but I'm a good football player. I'm undersized or whatever it may be, and I'm gonna make in the XFL. I mean, you're you could have a job in the offseason making twenty, thirty thousand, and make fifty thousand a year playing in that. And you know, you work your way up to make. It's not a bad living. life. That's a solid it's, living. Yeah. No, no, it's not. I think it's good. I, now, you guys are. You said you're in a hub, right? Yeah. So when I say hub, I mean just that we're in the area, really. Okay. So there's not like it's not like the XFL where they're all in Dallas. Um. Well, us in Michigan, we're all are, are we're stationed like we're going to play our home games at Fort Field. So Detroit is technically our hub. But oh, yeah, we cool. have meetings in the same building. Um. We're we're practicing at the same place. We're playing practicing at uh, Eastern Michigan University. Uh, we lift there. We do our walkthroughs there. But yeah. Oh, that's great, man. That's yeah, it's great. solid. I mean, last year it was all eight teams were in Birmingham at a hotel, right? And that even went smoothly. I mean, you would think it would be chaos, but it really wasn't. It was really smooth. Everyone got along well. Um, no issues. I mean, a couple things got stolen, but that's kind of par for the course. You got so many guys with things, <laughs> right? You know, so. Oh, shit. So uh, Birmingham's not a bad time, too. There's a couple good places to eat, a couple places to go out and have fun. Great food down there, man. Yeah, I don't yeah. really go out much. I, I mean, I got down there towards the tail end of the year, so I was really like, all right, what if I'm ready to be up? So I'm, I was focused. Yeah, yeah, on yeah. It's hotel. a different perspective. I was in Birmingham, yeah. and I came to a group there that was rowdy. So I had to kind of match some of the group to get in get in right yeah. away. Yeah. The uh, Okay, so you know, I have changed my body type over the years. You've always been a super athletic, bendy guy. How have you changed from your time at Temple to now? A lot stronger. Uh, I didn't really, I hated lifting. I didn't lift at all in high school. Like the first time I really started lifting was at Temple and it was like, oh my God, what is this? So that was, that was a, I was doing catch up the entire time. Now I feel like I really understand my body. I know what to do to feel good and I know what not to do to feel good. 
um, yeah, I really got to understand my body now. I'm, I'm a lot more explosive than I was, a lot more flexible. I feel like I was always athletic, but my hips weren't always good. And I tore both of them in school. So that was kind of a testament to that. But now I'm, 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 I'm bendy, I'm flexible, I'm mobile, strong. I'm there, man. I'm there. That's great, man. Good for you. Now you've been a, you've been a, a guy of high spirits. You're into music. Talk to me about your mindset, music, that kind of passion you have outside of uh, playing football. Well, I mean, music is a big part of my life. I grew up with music. You know, my mother always played blasted music. I sang in the choir. I played Daddy Warbucks from Annie in a play in fifth grade. Like I've, I've always been around music. So it's it's been a part of my life that it's inevitable. And just with my vocabulary growing and, you know, just my creativity, my temperament being what it is, making music is just something I enjoy doing. I love to do it, man. Keeps What's your going. favorite part about the music world is it is it is it writing is it producing is it making a beat a, you know a, a hearing a sound and making something off of it it's the emotion right like when someone says something to you that emotion that you feel when it's like damn that felt good right the that same feeling coming from like it's not really inanimate but something inanimate like music like you can't touch it it's not it's not anything like the, it's the emotion that that comes from it you know it really makes it all it puts it all in perspective why it's it's something that's been around as long as we have, right? Now, I know you're a rapper. Now, is this a part-time thing? Is this is this rap? Is it R&B? Like, help me out here for someone who's, like, completely out of touch with all that. Right now, what I have out is rap and R&B, but I've got music. Um, me and Samaja actually have music that's ah. pop, the 80s pop, 80s R&B, funk, kind of. I mean, I'm all over the place. I listen to, like, one of my first – Five albums was three doors down away from the sun. The other one was LL Cool J, The Definition, Michael Jackson, Invincible. So my spectrum is all over the place. You know, I listen to everything from heavy metal to gospel. So you'll you'll hear some of everything from me at some point. I love that. That's how I am. I, with music, is based off of time of year, or really not even time of year. It's like, am I working? Am I working out? Am I having fun and playing for, for a game? Or am I having fun, like drinking like mm -hmm. to me it all changes based off what's going on and how to elevate each moment for me for sure that's how i am i'm a big like uh california reggae like alternative rock vibe like slightly mm -hmm. stupid iration sublime like that i'm a huge classic rock fan i love 90s 80s 90s rap that's biggie, biggie tupac right like that to me is just pure music I don't want to be the get off my lawn guy, but I just don't really connect with a lot of music now. I mean, it's good. Don't different get me time. wrong. It's and they, a different and time. It's just a different time, right? What yeah. are your thoughts on all the current rap and, and R&B world? I mean, music is very reflective of the times, right? And, yeah. you know, a lot of people will say we're in soft times. We're in convenient times. And the music is reflective of that. It's not real substance. It's, you know, what's popular is you know, kind of the temporary microwave stuff. Um, and it kind of, it, it almost backs the argument that the nineties rap is what is that prime era because we still, we still revert back to that when we say, what is the golden, what is the golden era of music? What is the best hip hop you can find? You got to mention those guys. So, you know, times change obviously and, and music changes with it. Um, it's just a parallel in life, but the beauty of it is that it's it's eternal, 
right? You, you can always type in a, a website or press a button and get it. So no doubt. Now, are you watching any bit of the draft here coming up? Are you just, what's your, I'm, what's your vibe with football I've, right now? I've been, I've been peaking. So I, I grew up a Jets fan, Vinny Tessaverde, Curtis Martin fan. So I, you know, I got my eyes on the Jets. Wayne Krabet. Wayne Krabet, all those guys, man. I mean, okay. I think, I think the Jets right now are in good position. I think they look good next year. I, I do too. I think we did a NFL broadcast boot camp thing. Sorry, my dog's in here. That's why I've been looking around because she's just like tearing up the backyard now. What kind of dog? You got? Uh, she's like a little Kanuku, like lab Aruba rescue kind of vibe, like web toes, like really unique. Wow. She's right here running around, but she, uh, my wife's away. She just like, and she's on her crate. She's going to rip and tear into anything. Oh yeah. How it is. She knows like the boss is not around and I'm just like, 10 pounds of shit in a five pound bag. So I don't really have time for all of it. I'll be honest with you. I try to give her a little bit of time, but she's a, you know, she just runs and runs around, rips and tears outside. I don't care what she gets a hold of anyways, but yeah. Yeah. I think I brought about on the NFL broadcast boot camp that I was a part of. And I, and I, I you know, you said you saw it, the, the post and it was an unbelievable thing to be a part of. And essentially what it is is two days of workshopping. And then the last day you got to go up and perform, call a game on the radio, call a game on TV, host a podcast, and then do a, desk pregame show analyst spot nice. Nice. it was first class and you're learning from the people from cbs and fox and you know uh, uh, westwood one and just like massive massive amazon huge brands huge people producers talent managers this is first class so to make a long story short uh, one of our questions was do you think aaron Rodgers makes the jets a super bowl contender and I said, yes, because they're going to make the playoffs with Aaron Rodgers. They almost made it this year without Aaron Rodgers. And I think Aaron Rodgers, all emotion aside and drama and politics and everything that's got woven into him, uh -huh. he's one of the best quarterbacks of all time. I think at some point people said he was number one, just for pure eye test, taking stats out of it. What do your eyes tell you? That guy's the best ever. I think now when it's all said and done, it's going to be Patrick Mahomes. Tom Brady's the GOAT. Don't get me wrong, but. You look at that's my basketball argument too. Like, what do your eyes tell you? Like, Patrick Mahomes is the greatest person to ever play that position ever. Like, as a talent and yeah. mind, it's the mobility. Like, that guy's just different. Um, I digress, but I said I think it makes the Jets a playoff team because he's going to have like multiple first and second round picks as wide receivers. Um, you know, with Becton coming back at left tackle, that guy's a stud. He's a monster, uh, and their defense is so good. I like their staff. I like their personnel. I'm like, that's best personnel he's had. He hasn't had a top five, top 10 defense since he went to the Super Bowl. So that was my take. Now, do you think that you think that the Jets are now a Super Bowl contender, even with that stack, AFC, Bills, Chiefs, Bengals, et cetera? You think they're a Super Bowl contender? Colin, I got to be honest with you, man. Seven games last year, right? Garrett Wilson went for 1,000 yards with three guys, right? Three guys playing the position. He's a dog. The talent is undeniable with Aaron Rodgers, right? <clears throat> we could talk about the off the field stuff or some of the in the locker room stuff. Talent wise, they're a 12, 13 win team. Why not? Defense is like, they look like they looked in 2011 and we saw what that team did. So I think the, I think the sky is the limit for these guys. I really do. I think they're a double digits win team. Easy. They still have first round draft pick. They still have draft capital. They'll probably draft a player that's going to have impact to win now right away. You think with that pick, like it's not going to be a guy who's going to be a but what's going to happen down the road. It's like a win no, now yeah. situation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we'll see how it happens, man. The drama of the NFL unfolds now. It's going to be interesting to see how this 
this draft goes. It's like every year. There's going to be so much movement and drama around it. Everybody thinks, yeah, it's just going to be draft, but the trades are so much fun. Uh, talk about your draft day, though. You you're, went undrafted to Denver. Yep. You were – did you leave when we all left the Temple or you were the next year? 17? I was the following year, 2018. Okay, 18, sorry. So Jeff Collins' first yep. year? Yep. Yep. So talk us through your process as an undrafted free agent. How did you – where did you train? How did you find an agent? Where did you train? Uh, what was the draft day like for you? So let's see, leading into all of that, I guess I'd say starting after the bowl game, uh, I guess it was the Gasparilla Bowl down against FIU. Uh, signed with an agent. Um, they kind of told me where I was. You know, I was expecting to fall to, to free agency anyway, given all those injuries I had my senior year. Um, got the call from like Oakland and a couple guys on day three. And they're like, you know, stay by the phone. We got a couple. I think Oakland had like five seventh round picks a mm. year or something. So they were like, stay by the phone. So I'm like, damn, I might be, you know, I might be going out there. Uh, no call from them. Denver calls after the draft. I'm, I'm like home alone with the lights off and shit. And it's like, um, it, it wasn't as emotional as I thought it would be. It was like, a, all right, yeah, we want you to come play. It's like, oh, well, I get to play football again. Like, you know, because I just was like the tail end of my career at Temple. I was like just loving football, like Rule was like forcing me to want to play the first two years. And then like once I got into the swing of things, it was like, all right, well, now you're graduating. Right. But luckily I had I had done enough to to get some eyes. And, you know, draft day for me was like I wasn't expecting to get drafted. So it was no disappointment. But it was like it was surreal. Like I'm one of the couple hundred guys that's going to get this phone call, you know, so. It's an amazing feeling. It really is no matter where you were. I mean, I was undrafted. You would have thought I was the first pick over all the way we party. <laughs> right. Now, did you get a signing bonus? Mine was forty five hundred. Mine was ten. Oh, I got 10. yeah, man. Okay. I, I guess I was pretty decent coming out, you know. Damn like, right you were. You were a great player and an athlete. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, ten grand. That's always funny to talk about. Like there's some guys who it's it's funny. You're with and you look around, right? And you're like, these guys are the best in the world. He's an undrafted player. Or, you know, this guy's a first round pick or he's undrafted. You'll ask the undrafted guy who's not really good, right? You could tell, like, hey, eh, he may not be good. He may not play very long, mm -hmm. but he's undrafted. He'd be like, what'd you sign for? He'll be like, mm, 80 grand. You're like, what? Right. <laughs> and then you'll ask a guy who's like a baller, like a wide out from whatever. And he, I'm like, what'd you sign for? He's like, they didn't give me a dollar. And you're like, wow. dude, you're going to make the team. So that's how crazy this science is with scouting. I want to get your opinions on this because people ask me all the time, like, what is, why are people, why is it such a miss rate with the draft? Over a third of the NFL is undrafted. I think that's a crazy number that people don't really understand. Yeah. But when it comes to like just looking at talent, I personally think that scouts don't do a good enough job of getting into the building. Now the teams have to let you in the building and really feel that because the coach yeah. will let it, let scouts do whatever they want, which gave us more access. They gave them more access to us, which allowed them to get to know us better and say, listen, mm -hmm. I'm going to vouch for this kid to be a free agent. I think he can make the practice squad of the team. Yeah. So my opinion, I think the scouts got to know you as a human better, your mind, like how smart you are. Like the best players are the smartest. Why do you think there's a miss rate with the NFL draft? Well, like you said, that they're looking at they're looking at a lot of other things other than those intangibles that kind of decided at the end of the day, right? They're looking at stats or how long your arms are or what your body looks like or how you did on this test, how you threw it on this play, what you did against the teams with this helmet. It's like there's a lot of there's a lot of factors that go into it. 
right? Like take take Tyler for an example, right? This is a mm. guy who had a hundred plus tackles every year. He's all American every year. I mean, he had eight interceptions at, at Mike his final year. I mean, just he flew off the film, ran the forty that he ran, and fell to the seventh round. It's like, you know, yeah, that, I believe Mike Tomlin said it's football justice that we drafted Tyler. Like it makes football round again. And Tyler, like. He knows, like, you look at his body type-wise, like, there's not a right home about there. Now he's mm -hmm. in better shape now than he's ever been, and he's led the NFL in special teams tackles since he's been in the league. It's, it's, it's no surprise. No shocker. But, again, it's like, to me, if I'm sitting around, I'm a team in the fifth round here, I'm like, okay, who are the best players available that are going to make this roster? I'm like, that guy. That guy's going to make the team. And he had a great run in Pittsburgh. Oh, yeah. Of course, Mike Tomlin was great at drafting. The guy's a genius, and their front offices are smart as hell. Yeah. That's why that's why I'm not there. But my point is, like those type of guys, like those ball players, like I, you know, I always wonder why like a guy like Avery Williams never made it. Now I know Avery's a you know he's a smaller stature guy, but that's a guy who plays hard as shit, super tough. He had a, and he played in the CFL for a bit. Yeah, he was he was uh, he was he was doing big things in the CFL. I mean, when you looked at him when we watched, I was in Calgary. We watched him on film. It's like. I'm thinking to myself, like, that's the same Avery I know from Temple. Just if you're in front of him, he's going, he's looking to go through wherever you are. Yeah. So, um, I mean, look, I think it depends on when we talk about scouting, it depends on who the scout is. It depends on what school they're at, the access they have, the type mm -hmm. of day they're having, what player, you know, because guys who, you know, at that time we went to Temple, they looked at us as like a mid-major. Um, I don't know if they still look at it now. I don't understand college football right now at all. Yeah, mid-major. Um, worse than where we were, we were. And, and I know coach Strayton's trying to do a hell of a job. I love the guy trying to flip it around, turn it around. Yeah. Talk to me about the CFL. Cause that's like a, that's like a majestic, majestic land in, ca in Canada that not a lot of people know about in America. Yeah. It's got, from what I understand, a big following, great tradition. Yep. Older than teams, the NFL, older than the NFL, great yep. teams, great players. There's a lot of temple players. I've had a ton of success up there. There's a lot of, Teams, you know, obviously tons of success for American players up there, but can you like talk about culturally how the CFL is accepted or, you know, what the vibe is in Canada with the CFL and the fans? I love Canada. I mean, I, I wouldn't mind living up there permanently. Honestly, I loved it up there. I think in terms of like the fan to um, player relationship, it's not like if I go to the mall, I'm getting swarmed. There's a, there's a, there's admiration, but there's a respect. It's like, hey, you're eating. Hey, how are you? I know you play for such and such. Nice to meet you. It's like the hockey guys are really the NFL guys up there for the most part. Um, the money is a little different with the currency. Um, so if you're not a starter, like if you're not a Stanley Bryan or a Derek Dennis, you're 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 on less than uh, some of these side leagues that we're making. Um, but I think you know they're struggling to really get a younger audience. Um, because because it's been around so long, because you know a lot of the 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 way it's run is a traditional traditionally run. Um, it's mm -hmm. hard to get young fans, and you know that's that's going to be there. And it's also hard for them to keep the best talent, right? You got the the best Canadian wants to go to an American school. The best Canadian college player is going to the NFL. So they they're in that they're in that weird spot. They're in that weird spot of like permanently number two. It's, it's it's hard to overcome sometimes, I guess. How? What's the facilities like? Is there facilities that are just dedicated to the team? There's stadiums dedicated to the team. Explain that to American listeners. 
So in Calgary, and I think in other places as well, um, we shared with the college. So the University of Calgary played the Dinos. They played there. They practiced there. They had their own wing. We never really, it was like the, the facility was spaced properly. You know, we didn't have to intermingle or be in each other's way. Um, I think in, when I was in Winnipeg, they got their own, they got their own stadium. And it's a beautiful stadium too. The facility is amazing. Um, but yeah, it, the facilities I'd say are about average to above average on the mo- in terms of the spectrum, I guess. Yeah, the spectrum. And it's funny too, people think the NFL is the best. No, it's college, folks. It's yeah, college. college by far. Yeah. Because you got donors, you, you got coaches that are could be moving to other places, extremely competitive. Now, what was your recruitment like? We'll go back because your jersey. Jersey, yeah. So talk about talk about your recruitment. Man. Uh, because I know that was unique for you. Dennis McCarthy, God rest his soul. This guy, he was he had this scouting report. And basically what he would do, he would find guys and you know, he'd write their names down and he would push their film to different schools. So my ninth grade year, I'm a freshman, I'm just empty-headed. I'm walking around at our varsity game right outside the gate. And that guy comes up to me. He's like, hey, what's your name? Da, da, da. Tell him, Leon Johnson. He writes me down. And four years go by. I play all these games. Senior year goes by. This guy calls me. He's like, Dennis McCarthy, you remember me? I was like, yeah, I remember you because I'm not getting recruited. So, oh, yeah, I remember you. Um, you know, he told me that he thought I was one of the better tackles in the state that nobody knew about. And he said, if you, if I trust him, um, he'd find a way to get me out of there. And, you know, I gave him my hug. I made a, I made my own huddle highlight film, sent him my film. And within a couple of months, I mean, during basketball season, I was getting Michigan State calls. Florida's coming to my basketball practice. Ohio State coming to my basketball games. Old Dominion coming to basketball games. And, I mean, that guy changed my life for sure. I mean, just bumped into that guy at a game. Um, you know, and the only reason why I went to that game was, like, the head coach of uh, – I mean, my high school was so dysfunctional. But my, my, my the head coach was like, come to the game. I'm going to play you. Right? I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to play at this game. I get there. I don't see him. No one says anything to me. So I just stay there as a fan end up bumping into this guy and I mean just just completely you you know those people that just change the trajectory of your life right um so and you I, never you know, know who they are late I think you never the, know who they are man I like mentor a bunch of kids especially down in Cape May New Jersey where we've had a house and I coach football down there too and it's like and even kids that people at our media company you're like like guys you never know what's good where your where your tape's gonna end up like the yeah, NFL broadcast boot camp, like three or four of these clips right here ended up in front of every person from CBS, Fox, and what whomever. All 32 NFL players were there, like chaos. Kurt chaos. Warner, Rich Eisen, and boom, I texted the group right away. I said, three of your edits have made it in front of those that group of people. I, th- I think that's a bonus to being a part of our media company, but you just never know. Like never Tom, know. Last night we tweeted uh, – this is we're we're in we're doing pre-draft. Obviously, the Leon and I have talked pre-draft stuff, but this will come out in a week or two, a couple of weeks. But Tom Palacero, huge NFL Network reporter, retweeted a tweet we had yesterday, and everyone's freaking out, right? But I'm like yeah. that's that's the way the world we live in today. Like you never know who's watching, you never know what's happening. There's been several people in my life, Leon, that there's a guy in the quickest stories, name's Brendan Donovan, and he was a recruiting coordinator at Florida. He's in the USFL now pretty sure he's a scout and i would show up my dad's like you're wearing jeans and a polo shirt i'm like dad i'm not wearing jeans and a polo shirt he's like son you want to get recruited you want to play in the nfl 
It starts at University of Florida. They're recruiting you. You're, you're going to look the part. You're going to be first class. That's who you are. That's Why not show it? All right, Dad. Didn't want to do it, man. But I did. It was kind of awkward. Everyone's wearing their varsity jackets, you know, and like shit from their high school and hoodies, and they're all chilled out, gator gear. And I'm like looking like a dork in my polo and jeans. You know? <laughs> I'm wearing it, you know. So I get a call from Brennan Donovan. From that moment of time, that was in 2010. I got a call from the AAF in 2018. So eight years later, Brennan calls me and says, Colin, I've always been a big fan. You wrote me a handwritten letter and thank me for your time. All stuff my dad made me do. Mom, you dressed appropriately. We th I thought you were first class. Now we've stayed friends over the years too. But I want to bring you in here. I'm a voucher to come into this team in the AAF when I was dead in the water in the NFL, really. Boom, it took off. And then I went AAF, made a connection through Brendan with the Birmingham Iron to Tampa Bay Vipers. That, that guy, Ron Seleski, who's been on the show, big Ron. I sent him wow. your tape. He knows, I don't know if he knows you or not, but he loves your tape. You never know who watches, by the way. That's my point. Mm -hmm. I sent him your tape one day, and he's like, who are the guys that are CFL guys from Temple? I'm like, Leon and a couple others. And I know the story's long-winded here, but this is the point of you never know who's watching. And then I made the connection with Ron from Birmingham. Ron went to Tampa. I went to Tampa because of Ron. None of the guys wanted me in Tampa. I went from like the third string tight end to like heavily involved, really fifth string coming in. I was barely drafted. <coughs> and then boom, obviously Coach Rule gets a job in Carolina. The scouts in Carolina watch my tape. Obviously with Coach Rule's suggestion, boom, I'm in Carolina. I was there three years. So like it's just never know your effect like on people and how you act now how do you end up at temple okay so that's a long story that's a very long story okay so we got time Al podcast alan mogridge was my recruiting coach al um, mogridge fun al mogridge story when i got booted from florida with with a medical disqualification i went to ucf because al mogridge he was a tight ends by then yeah he was head end coach at ucf he left temple but he was at unc before that and he used to write like handwritten letters and write touchdown plays on the thing like this could be you at unc so i looked at the unc staff ufc ucf staff at this point in time because i went to stay at florida and i went and visited al i literally banged on the door i'm like i'll be here tomorrow i knocked on the door he let me in he's like i can't offer you a scholarship you know your career's over florida probably we don't have any room for you and then that's how i ended up at temple so al mogrid al mogrid so al mogrid that that guy i mean he 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 was the first time i was like oh these guys write letters to you but okay so I went to a charter school my 10th and 11th grade year, brand new startup. Um, they didn't have, I think it was called the I-9 form. That was basically the clearinghouses, uh, the, the NCAA clearinghouses, like mandatory curriculum that you needed to have in high school. They didn't have that form. So it looked as if I didn't go to school for two years. So Alan Mogridge was coming from Temple University to... Uh, Boundbrook High School and then Barack Obama Charter High School, which is about an hour, 40 minute drive, probably two or three times a week, getting two years worth of curriculum passed through the clearinghouse, making sure that that was done. Um, now, granted, during this time, I'm getting recruited by Ohio State and Florida. And as they discover what the issue I have in school is, all these teams start to fall off. All these teams start to fall away. Like Ohio State came in for an in-house meeting. It was like, we don't think you're going to make it. We'll, we'll have an offer for you, but we don't know what's going to happen. So that process took about six months, right? They, they're, they're inputting two years worth of class work through 
Um, and at the end of it all, right around the time we're supposed to go to school, they realized that I missed the qualification by one grade point. So what I had to do was I had to take two, two summer classes and I had to get an A in both of those summer classes for that to bring me up for that one point for me to be clear. So did those two summer classes, got the two A's. I came to Temple actually in August when I was supposed to come in June, you know, for summer workouts, got there in August. Um, the fact that I came from like being the high school human being that I was and then jumping right into a division one camp is, I don't understand it. The kid don't understand how it happened. But um, yeah, man, long road. Uh, the SAT didn't help me at all. Um, but man, Mogret showed, he showed that Temple really wanted me, right? Old Dominion had like gave me an offer on Christmas. And I thought that really meant a lot because that was the first team that really gave me the offer. Like, you know, for them to give me an offer on Christmas meant a lot. Um, but the effort that Temple showed to make sure that I even figured out whether or not I cleared. I mean, I felt like that was a debt that I owed myself. And um, that ended up working out very well for me, I would say. Did you ever want to quit football? Uh, I wanted to quit as soon as I got there. I remember when me, remember me and DT both, no, you might not have been there yet. Me I was DT, there. When we sprained our ankles playing basketball. Was it 2014? 14, bro. We yeah. sprained our ankles playing basketball two weeks or a week before spring ball started. And like right around that time was like, you know, I'm, I'm getting caught being late to class. I'm missing study halls. I'm, I'm just all over the place. And rules like, if you want to go transfer, you can go. I'll send you to, you know, he named one of those smaller schools or whatever. And I was like, maybe this shit isn't for me. And um, I don't know what, I mean, really, B-Dub really kind of got all of that out of me. B-Dub really, he made me tough. He, he, You know, he's like, Leon, you could do the, you, you're afraid to do it because you kind of know you can do it, but you don't want to fail at it. And, you know, once I put that in perspective, I just kind of turned into a gear and I just closed my eyes and went, man. Yeah, I, you've always been well thought, super tough. Uh, let's see, I'm trying to describe Leon because I played next to you for a very long time. We had a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. uh, quick trigger, which I loved. We had some good scrap, not you and I, scrapping on other players. Uh, just a pleasure to be around. You know, I, I thought we had – it's fun, like so many fun players at Temple. Like obviously Dion, a lot of people know Dion now. He's on national TV commercials. Yeah, right. Dion and Kyle Friends, character, uh, does nuts and tough as shit. Yeah, man, oh my Strong. God. And you got McGowan and Jovan Fair and Hennessy. And these are all the old linemen that played at Temple, for those that don't know. And I'm sure a lot of Temple people will listen to this. Just some really good people. Now, that's just the offensive side of it. And you got Sharder and Raquel, Jahad Thomas. Man, it was fun. So all those receivers, so long, Robbie, man. Kirkwood. Ventel. Ventel. There was a time at Carolina, Leon. You'll appreciate this. PJ was a quarterback. It was a seven on seven. PJ was a quarterback. Robbie was in at receiver. Ventel was in at receiver. Kirkwood was in at receiver, and I was in at tight end. <laughs> in a seven on seven play in the yeah, NFL. You don't imagine that. <laughs> I'm the misfit toy in that one, but I think I ended up catching the ball for like 15, 20 yards. So it was a good deal. But no, it was really cool. You know, that, that was unique. As you know, professionally, you may go into a place, you may know one guy. And mm -hmm. especially where you're at, you may know a guy because you played with him in the AAF like four years ago. Yeah. And in the NFL, you may know an operations person because they went to Temple for two years and they coach with Coach Rule or Jeff Collins or Steve Adazio. Like you're just trying to find any common ground with anybody. Yeah. 
Am I right? I mean, I think it's hard. Then you go to Carolina, it was like 25 us there. It was really cool. Right, yeah, that's a blessing. That's a blessing for sure. Yeah, I mean, this game, for what it brings, the camaraderie that it brings, the the, the memories that it creates. I mean, we don't remember the plays. We, we remember those nights when the power goes out and we're out in somewhere or when we're playing in Vanderbilt and we don't play till midnight because it's been a raining. I mean, it's it's – it's no surprise why this game is what it is, right? It's it's the it's the biggest sport in America, right? So no doubt, man. It's it's uh it's it's crazy our time at Temple. People ask me about Penn State all the time. I don't really remember it. Yeah. I don't, I don't remember the game at all. I remember we won, you know, but yeah, yeah. I, I remember no, I go of course if you ask that season, we remember it, but yeah. You know, Coach Rule, I think he didn't give us a choice to remember it. He's like, if yeah. we this is the best thing that happens us all year round, we're gonna have a horrible year. Mm-hmm. He was right. And then I think when, when all of a sudden we're like six and oh after these crazy games. And uh, you know, we lose to Notre Dame. That was like a big emotional yeah. deal for us. Now I'll wrap up. I always like to ask this like some of the best players you played all time or in college or in pro. With and mm-hmm. against? Sure. <sighs> I gotta say, I gotta say Hassan. I mean, just a freak athlete. I mean, to start as a safety and be a DN in the league now is insane. Um, Dion, freakishly strong, mm-hmm. freak Great. athlete. Um, I mean, I can name 40 guys from Temple. I think Shaquille Griffin, or was it Shaquille or Shaquem? Shaquem Griffin from UCF. Yeah, so strong. I mean, he, I, he, I think he might have been 230, 240 pounds maybe, but he just felt so strong. We're talking about the the gentleman, by the way, guys. That Helen only has one hand. Yes, we played uh, him. We and we ran the ball a ton. Now, you were on that side. It was on the right side. We were doing a oh, yeah. lot of low power against him down in Florida. Oh yeah, he, he was an mf'er. That is a guy. Tough, quick, strong. He didn't need two hands. Now I've seen him now as the broadcast boot camp with him, Leon. What a great guy! I met his brother and his mom as well when he won a Maxwell Award, our uh, 2017. But that's a yeah. good one. That's a good one. A lot of people don't know yeah. about. It. I agree with that one. I agree with all of them, but particularly that one. Who else? Uh, I thought Isaac Rochelle was pretty good. He gave me hell when we played him. Um, but a big, big guy, long and rangy and, and quick. Um, damn, I'm slipping. I forgot so much of college, man. There's so many guys. No, there's a lot. You're trying to think of the teams we played. Tulane, Tulane had a couple DNs. I think Tulane yep. Smart went to Tulane, didn't he? Yep, and Houston had a couple guys. Ed Oliver. Houston. Mm-hmm. There were some people there. SMU had a DN that was pretty good, too. Yeah, the white kid. Yeah, I think he got drafted, maybe. He did okay. I think it was – forget his name. I I had I, I was more nervous about him on film than I thought he was going to be. The kid yeah. from Memphis gave me hell. Number Gary. five. Gary. Yeah. Yep. And you know what? You know what's funny? In the NFL, he got me again in Philly twice. Really? Crossed my face, and I knew it. I'm like, he's not going to do that again. He did it in college. <laughs> you run a duo, right, and he's not going to cross your face. he got to set the edge. I'm like – so I pushed the envelope a little bit on duo because I know, especially on the outside, they have to keep contained. You can mm-hmm. you can run at the outside number a little bit. Mm-hmm. He's going to go out there, and then he's going to nose this duo, and then you're going to grab him, and he's not going to be able to go inside. Well – he jumped inside twice on me. Living nightmares. My worst yeah. game in NFL history. Against that guy's a great athlete. Yeah, he was good. Short, stout, quick. He, he was a problem. He was a yeah, problem. Big problem. No, a lot, a lot of good players, but a lot of good memories, man. It was a lot of fun.
it, it's like we lived a life already. <laughs> That's really what it feels like. It really is. Now, what's the plan for you moving forward? You're going to play to the wheels fall off? That's my goal. Man, until the wheels get flat, buddy. I'm going. I'm going. And then from there, you know, I dabbled in the law. That was a paralegal the last four months. Uh, I think that's something I may give a spin at some point. But, like, the sports broadcast thing really for me has been, I mean, like, if I'm – and this is – I feel like a nerd saying this. If I'm playing no. 2K, literally, if I'm playing NBA 2K, I'll pretend as if I'm calling the game. I'll call the note, the stats, the, like – pretending as if I'm actually calling the game. So like, it's really something I've always been fond of. My late grandmother, what she used to tell me when I went into school, I started um, as uh, media product, media studies and production. My grandmother said, Don Lemon, right? He just got fired. He's in the news now, actually. So that's uh, pretty yeah. ironic. But back in the day, I guess this would have been 15, 20 years ago. She was like, I want you to be like that guy. Cause he was one of the first black um, news broadcasters. You know, she said, I want you to be like that guy. You can talk, you, you're smart, you can do that. You know, so it really, that's really where it comes from. That's where the feeling comes from, you know, kind of just honoring her memory in a way. But I also play into some talents and some strengths that I have. Well, who knows? Maybe you'll be coming to us the next time you hear Leon will be with Not For Long Media. We're going to talk about this after this, but you never know. Leon, I appreciate you coming on, man. 45 minutes. We were up there. I've had a great time. Uh, I've always considered you a great friend, a great teammate, someone that's always good to connect with. It's been good. This is the best part about this, man. I get to have you on. We get to chop it up and catch up on here. And then we get Likewise. to listen. Likewise, I appreciate you having me, CT, man. It's always a pleasure talking to you, man.